Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and everything in between. And this week we are buzzing because Penguin have sent us copies of an exciting book to promote. It is the release of the paperback version of Pandora Sykes' book, How Do We Know We're Doing It Right, which publishes in the UK on May the 13th. And it's got a gorgeous new cover and it has a brand new prologue about change, uncertainty and hope. So before we get into it, just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has entered our competition with Books That Matter since listening to the last episode. Books That Matter are the UK's leading book subscription box service, bringing female-led fiction and empowerment to thousands of women across the world. And if this is the first time you're listening to us or hearing about this competition, then fear not, there's still time to enter to be in with a chance of winning one of Books That Matter's gorgeous gift boxes for May. All you have to do is subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be selecting a winner at random at the end of every month. Yep. And if like me, you get your podcasts on Apple Podcast, then subscribe and scroll to the bottom of the podcast page, leave a rating and review. And when you've when you're asked for your nickname, be sure to write your Instagram handle. That's very important. But if, like me, you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, then please follow the podcast on that platform and share a screenshot on your Instagram stories and tag us at Book Recos so we can count your entry that way. Entries for this month close on Friday the 28th of May and the winner will be DM'd by us on Instagram on the 31st of May. Remember, if you're listening to this at a later date, then you won't be entered into this month. But good news, it's a monthly competition, so you can re-enter to win the current month's box. Now, on to the episode. Yes, okay. This is very full circle for us because our discussions of this book when it first came out in hardback led to a lot of people DMing us saying that we should start a podcast and it planted a seed And now we're here. (laughs) That's so true. So, unfortunately, Jess, you're not going to be asking me to hit hit us with the synopsis this week, much to my dismay. But the good news (laughs) is it's because Penguin have sent us a fabulous clip from the audiobook, which is read by Pandora herself. And the clip gives you the perfect little summary of what this book is all about. Pandora, hit us with the synopsis. Wrote in a room of one's own. I thought how unpleasant it is to be locked out. And I thought how it is worse, perhaps, to be locked in. I see this as a reminder to resist complacency and impotency by keeping clear eyed about the choices that we want to make and those that do not matter. This book does not offer answers. It won't help you nail the right life assembling pieces as if it were a Pinterest board. But I hope that by asking the right questions, we can start to find comfort and cohesion in the good enough. It, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in this book, isn't there? How long have we got? It is. <laughs> That's the best thing about it, though, is that it's a conversation starter. Totally. So there's eight topics explored. Um, so we'll just go in chronological order, I reckon. Yeah, okay, that sounds like a good plan, Which chapter is, by chapter. It, yeah, and she must have known 
about us when she wrote the book, I think, because the first chapter <laughs> is about the wellness industry. And me and Lauren are very alike, but where we are most different is with regards to the wellness industry. 100%. I fully subscribe to the wellness industry, hook, line and sinker. Um, but more than that, I just, I am a yoga teacher as well in my in my. I don't know, spare time, though it doesn't feel like I have a huge amount of spare time at the moment. But Because you're a yoga teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I am really into meditation and like yoga retreats and, you know, anything within that wellness community I just bloody love, to be honest. But I, I get that this, and I found this chapter really interesting, but it also like made me a little bit angry because... It was just one-sided and it was from the perspective of somebody who doesn't like the wellness industry industry at all. So it was very negative. Um, so I, I would just bear that in mind with this first chapter. What do you think? However, I didn't have those feelings, obviously, because I'm like Pandora. I was reading like those crazy kids, never <laughs> <in> their wellness. <laughs> um, because yeah, I... Um, the opposite like don't really like to be alone with my own thoughts or being still or taking time to like if I'm doing exercise it's because I'm, I'm gonna get sweaty mm. and pump it out and rather than doing like stretching um actually genuinely believe I cannot meditate because my mind runs at like 100 miles per hour but even on on the whole of that I think there's other decisions that you make that are better than me you drink herbal teas you eat healthier than me you make better choices as well <laughs> I think I think what it, it all comes down to it's like moderation isn't it you can it's you can be extreme with an unhealthy lifestyle but you can also be extreme with a wellness fueled lifestyle and I think that um, there are negatives to both aren't there yeah like you can just become a full-blown don't know what the word is I'm sure people would say hippie, but I don't know. I think that's the right word. And then you're the kind of person that like has to preach your wellness on other people. Totally. And I think maybe that's almost who Pandora was visualizing. Those people that are very preachy about yeah, exactly. what they do. And I, I would and never, not. no, I would never. And even when I'm teaching yoga, I'm teaching it from, okay, just do what resonates with you. And I'm not going to, you know, tell you to subscribe to the teachings of yoga necessarily, but you do it for your own reasons whether it's to stretch your body, to keep fit, to or to find it as like a, a moving meditation. It's totally up for, yeah. to everyone. And, I, and I, I would love to be on board with those. I'm so not against trying to become that person. Like yeah. I've, I've done a few yoga sessions with you now. <laughs> like I'm not anti it. It just happens to be that that's not what I've done so far. Yeah. Speaking of, I don't actually think I've spoken to you about this book yet. But I'm reading, well, I'm nearly finished, Think Like a Monk by Jay oh. Shetty, which is, How is this not book? me. Yeah, I, that's really surprising that you've read it. Well, I kind of wanted to read it to be like, can it get through to a yeah. frantic person Ooh, like interesting, me? because if I read that book, I'd be like, I can tell you now, I'd, I'd love it and it would be a great review. But it's probably more interesting to hear a review from somebody who doesn't already subscribe to... Um, this school of like meditative thought what what yeah. did you think about it so 
Well, for anyone that hasn't read it or know about it, it's um, he gave up his uh, college, his future prospects to go and become a monk. And he uses the lessons he learned during that time and applies them to modern day scenarios to try mm. and show that actually anyone can think like a monk and behave in those ways. You don't have to be a monk to be a better self. Um, so it's very interesting. Some of it is a little judgy like when he says certain things I'm like (laughs) (laughs) but some of it has actually had an it has had an impact has it in what way like I've caught myself a few times thinking negative thoughts and I'm like no no Jay Shetty says Ah. not to do that yeah and I have tried so I have to like if I'm doing anything there'll be like a podcast or an audiobook or something playing because for me that's like dead time yeah like, I would be so great if I worked as a, like a programmer on a tv show I'd be like right fill these gaps guys we've got some dead time that's basically what's happening in my head like in the shower there's a podcast I'm cleaning there's yeah. an audiobook I'm cooking like can't can't be left alone with my own thoughts yeah so he has taught me to just like cut the carrots mindfully and like ah. enjoy the fact that there's nothing going on in that time and all I have to focus on is cutting carrots that's really interesting because I look for dead time. I'm like, okay, if I'm going on a walk or say this morning I taught a yoga class at half seven till half eight and in the walk back to my flat, I didn't put a podcast in or listen to music. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to use this time as a moment to just like be with my thoughts, see what comes up, which I know like nope. for a lot of people would sounds like quite hippy dippy. But for me, that's like, okay like this is where I check in to see actually how I'm feeling today and like what are the thoughts that are playing on my mind so I can confront them oh my god Jess like we're just getting (laughs) I don't think that sounds hippy dippy I think that sounds very aspirational Mm. and woe is me because I don't check in with myself like I actually can't I get so annoyed if like I'm my airpods are dead and I'm like damn it didn't see this coming Mm. and then I have to like walk without something going on Totally. Like I'll try and scroll on my phone as I walk. Gosh. So it's an, like the fact that it got through to me, yeah. I think says a lot. And he also uses really cool case studies. Like he linked um, gratitude Mm-mm. today to the founder of WhatsApp and how apparently he went for an interview with Twitter. Yeah. Didn't get it. And then tweeted saying, Twitter didn't want me, but that's okay. And he wasn't afraid to talk about his failures that he Mm. didn't get the job and he was grateful in it and like said a nice thing then he interviewed at Facebook didn't get that job did did a post about that and then a few years later he sold WhatsApp to Facebook for like 19 billion yeah he says those are cool little case studies and applies them to the thinking I really like that it's how you get through to me yeah yeah totally I think that's how it is like you how you're meant to relate it because we're not just going to become monks are we the world wouldn't operate if we were all monks but it's how we integrate elements of a more well-balanced lifestyle into the everyday it's a reco from crazy me so love it it. a lot love it I mean I'm I was going to ask you have you read any books (laughs) obviously you have so are there any that you think could maybe like tie in with this chapter? I think the best wellness book that I've read recently is Inner Spark. And it... Hang on, was it in your top 10 of last year? I, do you know what? I think it was because... High recos going on over here, It was here, just so like rooted in 
action and this is how you integrate it into your life which I think a lot of wellness books are like you know you have to strive for being able to clear your head and um, meditate every day but like this book actually gives you practical steps in how to integrate those aspects into your life so you can get towards living a life where you are just doing the things that make you feel happy um and there were lots of like little exercises you could do like journaling prompts and write a list on this topic so you could start to form your own thoughts so for that reason I thought it was one of the better one one of the best wellness books that I've read certainly in the last year And that says a lot because you've read lots. I have read lots. (laughs) Well, we've really talked a lot about this chapter. (laughs) We have. And it's, we're just getting started. We've got eight more to go. Let's go. Let's go. Chapter two, get the look. It's all about the fashion industry and finding your own style. And I remember at the time when we read this, we were like, don't think it was supposed to have this effect, but I really want to go online shopping now. 100%. It was meant to have the absolute opposite effect. But afterwards, I was like, what can I buy? It was just so, it was really nostalgic as well. Like she talks about when ASOS was known as as seen on screen. Mm. And that just took me back. I remember clicking on a celebrity like Victoria Beckham. Okay, what garments do they think I should buy to look like Victoria Beckham? Mm. And ASOS had just soared recently they've haven't soared. they like they've, they've got top shop now they've got top shop now they've got arcadia so they're they're doing all right aren't they but um what i really liked about this book uh what about this chapter was how she explored different generations approaches to fashion and fashion's um link to identity or sense of identity and how for example like gen z who are you know early 20s teens and younger have their approach to fashion is much more of like a collective identity so this is obviously just stereotyping from me and it doesn't apply to the whole generation but from you know from a fashion perspective they do tend to like want to share a sense of collective identity through their clothes whereas millennials who are sort of our age in late 20s and onwards prefer more of an individual's fashion style like we wouldn't want to be seen wearing the same clothes do you know what I mean like it's it's um, yeah the only what's the word exception yeah is obviously the zara dress which obviously in this book obviously <laughs> so if you that don't know, there was a white zara dress with black spots all over it that like everyone had last not last year that was pandemic year yeah year before um and but everyone yeah, had otherwise, it you couldn't yeah. like walk along oxford street without seeing at least four people wearing it yeah. it was mad it had its own instagram account it did flipping loved it never owned it no, I didn't because, own it either. Because I didn't want to be the same as everyone else, but I got such a kick out of seeing, seeing everyone. In it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're in the dress. And it was just so flattering as well. Like every yeah. single, it suited every body type, I think, yeah. and just looked yeah. great on everyone who wore it. Yeah. This, this chapter also shows the negative sides of fashion though and fast fashion. Yeah. And... Reco outside of this book actually is kind of linked with the book because if you don't know Pandora did a little mini podcast series around the time that she launched this book called Doing It Right and in one of the episodes she actually interviews Stacey Dooley however I'd like to Reco right now that you go and watch her documentary called Fashion's Dirty Secrets it's so interesting 
the fashion industry is the second big biggest polluter. And she filmed this in 2018. She spent time in Kazakhstan and the Aral Sea that used to be there had com- has completely disappeared mm. because of the desire for cotton and because cotton requires so much water. Bloody so hell. now there's a whole sea that's gone. And she also went wow. to Indonesia where some of the factories weren't so ethical and they were dumping their Bad waste film. in the rivers and then children were like washing and drinking in the river so she she looks at not just the fashion industry but the impact on communities so there was those fishermen that used to fish in that sea that can't anymore just learned so much it takes like thousands and thousands of liters of water to make one pair of (sighs) denim jeans and we're all complicit like regardless of the brands you buy from whether it's like a who misguided or you're shopping in a higher end fashion brand we're all complicit aren't we and I guess that's what the fast fashion industry that's the habit we need to break and actually there's a really good book on this topic that I really want to read by Lauren Bravo called Breaking Up with Fast Fashion yes which um I think I just need to read because it would it's it sounds like it will be the encouragement that we all need to actually open our eyes to what the bigger issue is here and stop you from just shopping for the sake of shopping and for the sake of a new outfit when you've got perfectly good clothes in your wardrobe that you just don't wear yeah and then if you're not wearing those pass them on second hand because they could mm. be someone else they that could be the difference for someone else buying a cheap garment that's been that's I don't know they've bought it for like four pounds nothing should cost that much the amount of yeah. effort that goes into making clothes nothing should be that cheap but they could buy it second hand from you and for them they're super excited about it and then you aren't just having something that you might actually chuck in the bin which is awful so it's Mm. it's a it's a really interesting chapter it's like the perfect balance of like thinking about your own style and thinking about shopping and all those sorts of things but with that deeper message of we all need to be better we all need to start making ethical changes with our shopping habits yeah so it's a reco if you want to if you're interested in living more sustainably or understanding what you can do to live more distract um sustainably yes um, chapter three. Chapter three. We had a lot to discuss about this. <laughs> but chapter three is Little Pieces Everywhere. And it explores fragmentation, which is separating your identity into different parts and then flattening, which is where you are then defined by one of those parts. So you might perhaps, I don't know, you play netball, you like to read and you're, you've got a child. So people might define you as being sporty or being a reader or a mother. And then... From there, people just cling on to that one example of you and that's flattening. Mm-hmm. So usually for mothers, they're just known yeah. as mother. <laughs> like that becomes their whole identity, mm. the fact that they're a mother, despite the fact that they have a great job or they're really interested in this or they climbed Kilimanjaro. Like, yeah, it's a very interesting chapter. It's so interesting. There's a quote in this chapter, actually, where Pandora says, but what if wholeness is not our most valuable state? It is spectacular freeing to think of our jostling parts as bound together by fortune rather than shame to see that a frangible self can offer more than an unbroken whole which I just thought that's a really lovely way or interesting and comforting perspective um 
Pentora talks in this chapter a lot about the pressures put on millennial women, particularly who are told that they can do whatever they want and be whoever they want. Um, but all the amount of pressure that is put on women to, you know, achieving and being the most successful person or version of themselves, like being the most successful mother and having a career that you're great at and, you know, doing this in your spare time and being a great friend and being X, Y, Z and all of the pressures that, okay, yes, as society puts on, but also women do put on ourselves as well. Um, And I guess like what she's trying to say in this chapter is you can have multiple versions of yourself of who you are with different people and no one can make you fragmented unless you allow it so nobody or flattened unless you allow it I should say yeah she talks a bit about quite a few times in the chapter about the book Queenie which is fab such a good book and Queenie is flattened by her body essentially she's quite eroticized in the book because she's got her own problems going on and so she just allows herself to be degraded is the right word but like used by these men because she's kind Mm. of using them too and she's just constantly defined like by her ex-boyfriend's family by her her nose or she sleeps with a guy and he just refers to her bum and it's like I'm so much more than my body and in Queenie's case it's also because she's a black woman. So it's not just that she's a woman, it's that she's a black woman. She's just constantly reminded of it. And it's mm. like, she she has a job at a really great place and she's got really great friends, but that's, it's not the, the whole premise of the book, but like central to Queenie's character is that she's just being flattened by her body. Yeah. And I think also going back to like the expectations that come with that, she talks about... For example, there's a quote, she mentions Expectations by Anna Hope, which if you haven't read it, is so such a good book. I'd 100% recommend it. it. What's it. What's it about? It's about three best friends um, who, you know, they went to uni together, they lived together for, their, for all of their 20s. But, you know, as they get older, they sort of separate and someone's married and has kids. Another of the friends is trying to have children and another of the friends... Um, doesn't want children and it's just like the expectations that they all feel or the pressures that they all collectively feel at different points in their life because of like the title that they have whether it's the career woman or the mother and there's a quote in that book actually where one of the mothers one of the women's mothers says to her your generation have everything you have the fruits of our labor and our active activism but what are you doing with it and her daughter just responds we're trying and I really felt that like we're just trying to be the best versions of ourselves and also trying to be good feminists and that's a lot of what this chapter explores like yeah just the pressure of what trying can do are we doing it right oh nice love what you did there when you just mentioned then about mothers and career women and the fact that women have to have these titles whereas men mm. can literally just be a man yeah and not a dad yeah um reminded me of olive by emma gannon which Love. we discussed in great detail on our instagram as well but in that olive doesn't want children and so it explores life being child free and in that a lot of the 
weird things we have in society like why do we feel like we can ask a woman when she's having a child Mm. or if she's just had a child when she's having another one like why is that okay why has no one called this out until now yeah but it's but it also explores how because olive doesn't have children someone goes oh you must be a career woman then what why is it one or the other yeah and why isn't this on men it's um it's a very interesting book it's like a group of friends where one is Olive doesn't want children. One of them is trying to have IVF. One of them has three kids and one of them is pregnant and then has a newborn. So it's quite good at showing all of those different stages of yeah. motherhood and not motherhood. And very and similar in plot line to expectations, actually. Expectation. Yeah. Mm. So some records for you there. Love it. And <laughs> so on to chapter four, which is work to get happy. And this book Oh, this chapter looks into work and work-life balance more generally. And firstly, like I said at the start, it's really ironic that this chapter was written pre-COVID and pre-lockdown because it questions whether the workforce can be productive whilst working from home. Um, And obviously, we I think the last 12 months have clearly proven that we've smashed it we've smashed it we've blown it out of the park (laughs) we can all work from home um so it looks a lot at productivity um but the aspect i think i liked the most she says um instead of recognizing what you have achieved you live in fear of what you haven't and so she really like brings the importance of stopping to to reflect on you know, what you've achieved throughout your career and throughout your life, as opposed to just, you know, always gunning for the next milestone, which I think is a concept we can all value in, you know, in integrating into our lives. And it actually reminded me of um, The Gin O'Clock Club by Rosie Blake, which is a really lovely, lighthearted book, but it does, I think the character of Lottie, we, we buddy read, read this, I think it was last winter, Jess. It was summer. That's how long oh my ago God. it was. That's how wow. long we've been in lockdown for, Lauren. Just it they all it all just feels like a blur. Um yeah, it's one big merged year. But the Gin O'Clock Club is such a gorgeous book. But I think in the central character in Lottie, she's sort of the epitome of what happens when you put all of these pressures on women to feel like they have to be and just be everything and achieve everything and what happens when you don't um yeah it's such a cute book it's about her granddad trying to like slow her down and remind her that like she can go on these lovely dates with her boyfriend and just super cute love it love it so much and like that's what happens really if you don't have say a side hustle or a hobby that you're really interested in because then you sort of become your work yeah the, my best thing about this chapter is how it starts is like a funny fake script between two people talking about how busy they are. Mm. And I've always said that if you have time to tell people how busy you are, are you really that busy? Like if you were that busy, you wouldn't have time to gloat about it. And we live in a time where it's, it's where you can show off about how busy you are. Yeah. And I get it. Like nothing feels as good as like getting shit done and checking off your to-do list. Yeah. But why does everyone feel the need to gloat about it? especially in a pandemic with so many people on furlough or out yeah. of jobs. It feels a really insensitive time to gloat about how busy you are at work. Um, so I, I, I did like that beginning. Um, I'm currently reading Grace Beverly's new book, 
which is called Working Hard or Hardly Working. And I've just read chapter three, which is all about flow and explores enjoying the process rather than the outcome and stopping Mm. getting distracted. So like checking your phone or whatever, um, which is quite interesting while working from home because it's so easy to just like pick up your phone or do something else. Um, and I, and I get that maybe the enjoying the process, maybe you wouldn't feel so frantically busy if you were like, Mm. Oh, I'm liking what I'm doing. It's nice. It's motivating me. But then she does talk about how flow can be detrimental and you can be too in the zone to take a break and then be like burnt out. Totally. I, I don't I don't like to use the phrase burnt out much because I only recently found out that it's a it's actually a medical condition, burnout. But we've got to a stage where because everyone's talking about how busy they are and showing mm. off about it, that everyone's now being like, I'm so burnt out and it's like have no, you been medically diagnosed <laughs> as burn as burnt out? Exactly. No, okay, perhaps find a different phrase. Because those people who are signed off from work with burnout must be like no, I'm actually, I'm actually burnt out. There's a very yeah. big difference. Um, but it, I think regardless, it, it, it was an interesting chapter. Yeah, she's just saying what happens, like if you don't pursue anything other than work, that's what you're heading towards, isn't it? Yeah. That sense yeah. of burnout. It's all about work-life balance, this chapter. Mm. She, she explores it in some good ways, which, well, we already said earlier that you you have a full-time job and then you teach yoga as your side hustle. Yeah, and I think I think that became that I became a yoga teacher because I was on the very brink of burnout in my old job and was sick just all the time because I didn't really ever feel like I wasn't working and I was working really long hours and taking work home with me at the weekends and just working nonstop really. Um, so that's when I really got into the wellness in- industry and sort of look, started looking at okay, I can't continue like this it's not good for my health what can I do what hobby can I pursue to you know to help bookmark my days a bit more and that's when I started practicing yoga and and then I turned it into a little side hustle and started my yoga teacher training and here I am today um but a great book if anyone has a side hustle or um or is interested in pursuing one is Emma Gannon again her book The Multi-Hyphen Method is brilliant for that um sorry Siri has gone off on my phone at the at the sound of that but yes that is a great that's a great book I'd really recommend looking into that and that's Emma Gannon again Emma Gannon again who's the same author of Olive two records there love it didn't she do well in chapter four <laughs> Uh, oh, that was chapter three as well. Right. Chapter five, Relentless Pleasure, explores binge culture and boredom. And I've already kind of touched on how I can't be there with my own thoughts, which is like <laughs> kind of what this touches on. Because I remember at the time when we read it, you were like, yeah, I don't really mind. Like, I don't need to fill my time. I can just be. Mm. And I was like, mm, OK, <laughs> if I'm not reading, I'm out on a run or I'm baking or like I'm doing yeah. something. Or... I'm binging some TV shows. So maybe like we should give some recos now for like the TV Ooh. shows that we have yeah. binged. God, there've been a lot in lockdown, I have to say. There have, we're going to have to rein it in. Like let's not even <laughs> mention Tiger King. <laughs> let's go pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, yeah. Well, if it's a starting with a TV show slash book reco is Little Fires Everywhere. We both binged that pretty quickly, didn't we? Oh, oh my God. God. So good. Great good book. 
great TV series as well. Great Loved it. TV binged series. it all. What, am I, what else am I binging at the moment? I feel like I'm constantly binging Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> is that actually bingeable? I feel like it's Oh my God, yes, sad. it is. So bingeable. It's really happy. It's really sad. It's really oh, poignant. Okay. It's really funny. The characters feel like best friends. So you're like, oh, I wonder how Meredith's doing today. Better go check in on her. And before you know it, you're in a wormhole and you've watched like five episodes back to back. The other show that I love to watch is The Bold Type on... It's on Netflix now, actually. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, It's just like these millennial women who work for a magazine and they... um, and, And it's just like the things that they encounter from like boyfriends, career issues. Oh, I love it so much. And the outfits are always banging. So good. What are you binging? What do you binge? Nothing right now. Um, actually, right now we are watching Game of Thrones because we've everyone was hyping, hyped up about it, and we never bothered. And we're on season six, and I'm oh still waiting. I'm still waiting for it to be good. I am oh, yeah, yet to be I'm not bought into this either. No, it just but I thought appeal. there's so many people I know who are into fantasy but loved it. And literally at the end of each episode, we turn to each other and we're like, "Still a five. But there's nothing else to do, so we're still watching it. Interesting. But, so Watch how we lose like 500 followers, more than that. We lose all of our followers now for this rogue opinion. I like <laughs> if that's if that's of note. Um, no, bingeable shows. I've got two, and they are mm. polar opposites. Oh, go on. The first, Prison Break. Oh my! I, I mean, it, it rapidly declines with each Does series. It? It's which a bit is like a, Lost, which is a then. shame. But series one. It's just mind blowing. This this guy's brother is in prison and he's going. He's got the death penalty, so he purpose he commits a crime so that he can get into prison with his brother oh. because he's made a plan to break him out. And along the way, loads of other of the prisoners hear about their secret. And, oh, love it! God, I actually, I'm actually gonna have to rewatch it. It's so good. Series two equally good. Series three we're on the decline. Yeah, but you're in, so you just keep watching it. Yeah, to exactly. End, you can't stop five. them. So good. I think it's hour-long episodes, so you could get really stuck in that. And then on the complete opposite, it's my beloved Shit's Creek. 20-minute episodes, so very different. Equally easy to binge. It is about a family, the Rose family, who are mega rich, but they lose all of their assets apart from a little town called Shit's Creek, which the dad bought as a joke because of the name. And so they have to move there. Love and it. it's about their lives there and it's just gorgeous and funny and I just want to be friends with all the characters and the actors, <laughs> like all of them. So all of good. the actors in it are really good, aren't they? So good. Do you and know what's interesting like, though? When, so for example, I watch Line of Duty and I always I've oh, yeah. love it so much. So but good. what really frustrates me is it's on at the moment and you only get one episode a week and I'm like oh my god I have to wait a whole week before I can watch well, the next episode we were saving it because we were like now nah, we want to binge them all in one go because it's so bingeable Ooh. but cracked because there's just too many spoilers out there we also yeah, there really are. love Google Box and they're watching it on Google Box so yeah. we're missing a crucial 15 minutes of Google Box <laughs> yeah. so we just binged five the other day love it oh it that's, so that's the way it's done yeah alright next chapter 
next chapter, please. The Authentic Lie, which explores authenticity, largely with regards to social media and marketing. <laughs> Got any thoughts, Lauren? <laughs> well, I um, <laughs> happen to work for a social media company, so I my stance on this chapter is quite will be quite obvious. Like, I found it very unnecessarily negative about social media um and she sort of just says it's awful and again like in the wellness chapter doesn't give the other side of the argument there are so many things that social media is just so useful for and I think you know she what she neglects to say in this chapter is that we have full authority on social platforms to decide who we follow, who we don't follow, who follows us, etc. And those are all of our decisions and our responsibilities. So we make our own echo chambers, essentially. So I think, yeah, it's up to us to make social media a platform that's safe and healthy to, for us. And she doesn't really give that side to the argument here, I don't think. Interesting. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, she, I don't know if it was in the book or like since like hearing her on podcasts or wherever, but she's like acknowledged like, yes, I do gain from social media. Like it's how mm. she's got so successful and that she has this book is likely down to yeah. people following her on social media. So it's not all bad. And like you say, it's how we can find missing people or how we hear about things in the world that we might not have otherwise and that we can maybe make changes for. Totally. Um, I have read... Oh, I'll give some records for some books here, which I think explore mm. the topic of social media, interestingly, or just authenticity in general, really. So yeah. Adults by Emma Jane Unsworth. It opens with the character Jenny. She's taken a picture of a croissant from a bakery and she's actually been given a stale croissant. She's like, right, I've got to make this look so good. Oh, what shall I do for my caption? Shall I do kisses? Shall I do this? Shall I do that? It's very funny, very witty. But the whole book is essentially that she's, 35 she owns her own house she works for a really cool magazine she's got really good friends but actually she can't afford her house um her friend is trying to not be her friend anymore like she's God. she looks like she's got it all and she's definitely keeping that up on social media um her ex-boyfriend has potentially got a new girlfriend she's stalking her on social media she accidentally likes a photo <laughs> we've all been there <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's very funny and the chapters written like some chapters are an email some are a text oh, thread, like some that. are so it's really hard to put down because you're just like oh that was fun next one yeah um there were, it does obviously i'm sure you can guess turn sour at some point yeah um so it's good like it has a deeper meaning but i think it's just like a fun read really yeah um another one which is a gorgeous gorgeous read is the authenticity project so ties in very mm-hmm. well with this chapter about authenticity um, it is about a man called Julian who is, I think he's in his 70s or maybe 80s and he's quite lonely. And so he writes down his life story in a green notebook and purposely leaves it in a cafe for someone else to find and says that they should then write their story down and leave it for somewhere else to find. Oh. And so it, it ends up around all these different people and then they all come together. Love it. And become friends and it's like, these they're all completely different people from different backgrounds different ages um but they can be totally themselves with each other because they've already laid it all out Mm, so they can only be authentic and it's just super sweet really gorgeous really good sense of community um that's by claire pooley i don't think i said at the beginning 
um, High Reco. High it's Reco, also got yeah. a really gorgeous cover. It looks like this cute little cafe. It does, yeah, I remember it. Um, and I'd also say that this chapter is, is if anyone works in, you know, marketing or social media, it's a great one to read because she talks about the authenticity of brands as well. And that's like a huge topic across the industry at the moment of all brands trying to be authentic and find their voice. And how do you be authentic with your um, customers on social platforms and what have you? So it's just a really, um, really informative read. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm. As is the next one, which I'm Love really it. excited about. Me too. Um, it's chapter seven, looking forward to hearing back, which explores communication in the modern world. Um, look, before we dive into this, I just need to bring this up again. So when yeah. we discussed this at the time, I found out an excellent anecdote about <laughs> Lauren's professional life. <laughs> and I'm going to make you say it again here. No. I think the listeners of this podcast need to hit this. I might actually have to mute myself because I know I'm going to die. <laughs> Lauren, oh my God. So Lauren, Lauren is very successful in her career. She's got it all going for her. But when it comes to like logging off and going on holiday, she clearly is like yeah. already switched off. This is, this is a learning for anyone to proof your emails. Because I once took a two week holiday and when I came back, like my colleagues in the office were all laughing at me and smirking and then um one of the guys in the office was like did you proof your out of office before logging off and obviously I didn't and I looked back at it and oh my god I put <laughs> I put that I was on anal leave for two weeks and we'll get back to your email when I'm back and I just died. Like, honestly, people were sending emails to my work address just to like, just for lols whilst I was out. And like clients were reading it. So moral of the story is, don't go on annual leave, just go on holiday. Go on PTO, do what you have to do, just... <laughs> or maybe you are on anal leave. Maybe I was <laughs> on anal know. leave and I was just being very authentic. Too authentic. <laughs> Um, so yes, this explores communication this chapter. Um, and how do we know we're doing it right? Is that Lauren hasn't since put anal leave. She's I have not. not. She's I am not doing PTO. it right. Um, another thing we discussed at the time, which kind of like any time I leave a comment or DM someone on our Instagram and they and I don't sign off with like Jay or Jess, I'm like, well, if they've listened, they'll know this one's from me because I've used 5,000 exclamation marks throughout my comment. <laughs> I'm just obsessed with exclamation marks. I use them. I don't think I've ever sent an email that doesn't include at least one. <laughs> but I do. So whenever I've typed an email, I proofread it and I literally delete about three. Jesus. I just, I just, just love them so much. They just add so, so much to that. But it's also because like, I want you to know that I'm not being passive aggressive here. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm not being bossy. I'm being friendly. Please do my favour. Yes. Yes. And why do women do that? Because sometimes, like, you'll get an email from someone and they'll be just full stops and <laughs> no. But do you know what? I don't enjoy reading it as much as I do. When someone else sends me exclamation marks, I'm like, oh, a friend. <laughs> yes. They know. I wonder if they proofread it and deleted some like I do. <laughs> So oh yeah, God. if it's an exclamation mark in it, or more, more than one exclamation mark, it's going to be written by Jess. And yep. if there's, Lauren might do a cheeky one. Yeah. That's Lauren. But also nine times out of 10, it's going to have been Jess because 
Lauren doesn't need them the way I do. I don't crave them. Um, Oh, God, I just love this chapter so much. And I think because my background is in comms um, and I work in marketing. So if anyone like I could I just appreciate what she's saying in terms of like a linguistic perspective as well. Um, And yeah, she just there's actually a quote that she pulled out into this chapter from Sherry Turkle. And we all know I love a bloody quote. So she she writes, when you send a text or email, you don't get to see the shadow of your words across someone's face. And that, for me, just... It explains why we always put exclamation marks, smiley faces, emojis, whatever in our messages, because we're trying to, like, show some kind of tone in our emails or what have you. But, you know, it. I think she's included that quote to just say that you know a lot of time ironically when you're communicating with somebody virtually um you do get miscommunication and it made me think of back in the day when like text messages used to be say 10p and you'd only get like 25 texts to use a month on your monthly data whatever it was um contracts and my god we were so restrained with our messages whereas now Jess you and I will text 25 times in an hour imagine having that once for a month if Oprah had asked me back then yeah were you silent or were you silenced (laughs) Oprah let me tell you that three mobile silenced me to 25 (laughs) texts a month (laughs) How was I supposed to communicate with anyone only 25 times? But we did, because we didn't text ongoing, you know? Well, actually, we would phone back in the day. We wouldn't text. Yeah, as long as no one was on the broadband. Yeah. (laughs) Texts were for, do you want to go to the cinema with me on Friday night? And... Or like to make a plan or like to tell someone you're leaving the house or what do you want for dinner? It wasn't for a conversation. Whereas now we have our conversations via text and not on the phone. We've just flipped it. I wonder if it will go back. We've just flipped it. Do you know, well, the the pandemic, I think, has taught me a lot. It's taught me that not everything has to be instant. Mm. I think like before, if I had a message from someone... I would reply straight away. And if I didn't, it was very much on my mind that I had not replied straight away. Yeah. And one thing I'm grateful for the pandemic for is normalizing. Just take yeah. a little bit of time. Totally. But you can leave it unread. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a funny chapter. It's a interesting chapter. Another good one. Loved it. It doesn't mention anal leave. So we've had a better <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> chapter eight, it ends with an absolute banger. So chapter eight, it's kind of hard to define what it is, but I would say it explores sensitivity. Mm, I think think especially because Pandora's a millennial, we are too, that we're known as the millennial snowflakes because we're sensitive about a lot of topics. Yeah, she, um, there's a quote I love that's, if women need trigger warnings before rape scenes on television, perhaps we should look at why so few rapists are convicted. If women, particularly women of colour and trans women, need safe spaces, maybe we ought to consider why they feel so unsafe in public places. And that just, like, solidifies our Mm. 
um, generation and and the following generations after yeah. us, like why we are so outraged about these things because we're trying to make changes in the world. And so we're sensitive about these topics. Yeah, and trying I think to make we're very change. conscientious. Yeah, conscientious. I don't think it's a bad thing. No, I, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think it was a lovely way to end the book as well about just challenging why we need safe spaces and why we need um, maybe a little bit more empathy in our approach to other people. But then on the other side of the spectrum, she does say, have we just become totally desensitized to anger because of social media? Because back to social media, but she says, you know, it feels like we all have to have an opinion on everything now. And if you don't have your opi an opinion on everything, on something or a particular topic, you go to somebody on your, um, say your Instagram or someone you follow to seek your opinion from them. So we all have to be experts on everything now. And have by doing that, have we become desensitized to actually feeling anger or even creating our own opinions to some extent, I'd say. Yes. And she, um, linking back to the podcast she did around this book, she has an episode with Dottie Charles where they talk about being like, if you using that anger mm. in the right way. So like Dottie says that if you're angry about every little thing, when something big and major happens, how mm. are people supposed to differentiate what it is you actually care about? How can your voice be heard if you're constantly making all this noise about small things and then you can't make that change when a big thing happens in the world? Would really recommend totally. after you've read this book, listening to Pandora's podcast. She's got so many amazing guests on there and they just talk about such interesting things. We'll have to put it in the the show notes. The show notes. Um, yeah. Oh, we, we really like this book. We could actually talk about this book for hours. And All I day. There are so many topics right that you could just go into <laughs> from this book. And I'd really recommend reading it one chapter at a time, actually. We read one chapter a day, didn't we? And, and then, then discussed, yeah. discussed it together. Um, which I think was a really nice way to do it. And, you know, if you've got, if you can buy this, now it's out in paperback, if you can buy a copy for your best mate or your mum or whoever and sort of do that sort of buddy read of it together, I think it's so much more enjoyable because you've got somebody to bounce off of, oh, I loved this part, I didn't agree with this part, but um, I thought this. Um, it's a great book to just start you thinking and forming your own opinions as well. Yeah, it would be great for a book club. It would be perfect for a book club. So, I mean, it could cause some feuds at your book club, who knows? <laughs> but I think it's just, it's a conversation starter and that's what you want for a book club. So it's a book club reco from us. Totally. And its cover is beautiful. It's and pink it's and green. green. It is pink and green. It's the Which same the colours book as colors. book recos. This is what I mean. She wrote it for us. She did. And we appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, thanks Panda. Um, and thank you, Lauren. This has been an absolute joy. I've absolutely loved re-exploring this book. Me too. It was so much fun the first time. It was so much fun the second time. Even Let's better. regroup in a year and go again. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please subscribe, rate and leave us a review. It costs you nothing, but it would mean the world to us to know that you've enjoyed it. And share it with your reading buddy too. And you can give us a follow on Instagram at bookrecos for, funnily enough more book recommendations <laughs> see you next week we'll be here
Extract from the book was taken from the audio edition of How Do We Know We're Doing It Right, written and read by Pandora Sykes and published by Penguin Audio. How Do We Know We're Doing It Right is available from Audible, Apple Books, Google Play and all good audiobook retailers.